Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, the remnant, for tuning in to Stand Up For The Truth, for praying for this ministry and for sharing our podcasts on social media or email or however you share them. Very important topic today, and let's open in prayer first and ask for God to help. Lord, we need your wisdom today and every day. We need you to teach us to number our days that we may gain that heart of wisdom that Scripture teaches about, and we know we need your Word to renew our minds. So help us start with the foundation of truth and faith that we have, and we thank you, Lord, that we know your Word. Thank you that we can know the truth. I lift up everyone who's listening right now and pray that you'd encourage them and strengthen their faith and and their foundation on the truth, the cornerstone, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. Thank you, God, for giving us the Holy Spirit to help us in this day and every day. Please give us insight, discernment, how to deal with not only what's happening in our country, but those within the church that are confused about spiritual issues and biblical issues and cultural issues, and give us the patience and boldness and strength to speak the truth in love and to encourage and inform others in our lives. We lift up this time to you and this day that you've made. In Jesus' name, amen. Revelation 7, 9 and 10 says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, get this, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb, Revelation 7, 9 and 10. And one more verse in Galatians chapter 3, um, verse 24. It says, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. And then verse 26 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, these scriptures are for those who believe, who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation alone, just Jesus. So we have a big family, friends, and we're going to have an awesome reunion in heaven. Today, the topic is understanding critical race theory. And this is something we've talked about. Some guests have mentioned it. Others have given a little history and background. But we've never really dove into this and done like one podcast on this topic. And there's so much information available out there, friends. I encourage you to go to the right sources, emphasis on right sources, and uh, look this up for yourself if you want to study up on it. A lot of great ministries have done programs on this already. Because of what's happening in the culture and in the government and in the education system, And what's being taught, we need to know how to respond to this. 
There's a great article I'm going to get to in a minute by Ryan Helfenbein. He's a contributor at the Christian Post. But first, some words from Bill Perkins of Compass International, a nonprofit ministry. Um, there's a verse, Jeremiah 13, 23 says, Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Why are some elected officials not stopping riots when they happen right in their own backyard, right in the city streets, violence, flag burning, even forest fires? Where on earth did the idea of getting rid of police, defunding the police, where'd that come from? Is it deep-seated racism in America or is it something else? The answer is not a conspiracy theory. And anyone can see that for decades, revisionist history has been taught in our public schools and private schools right here in America, teaching children and young people that America is evil. The United States is the cause of most of the world's turmoil. That is a lie. We've done more for the entire world in almost every way to benefit the world than any other country. But today, most high school students and junior high students, and maybe even younger, believe America is a evil, imperfect, yes, but they believe we're evil, and white men are to blame for the world's problems. I'm not exaggerating. You know that's what they're starting to teach, and they have been for a while. So they're taught that for hundreds of years, white men have gotten rich by taking advantage of people of color, right? Um, well, you'd be may be surprised to learn what children are actually taught in the government-run secular school system today, public schools, that what they're being taught about Columbus, America's founders, about Indians, about black history, and if they're even mentioning Christians or our, the faith of our founders, which I think they've kind of ruled that out, that's been expelled because it has to mention Jesus— but they're also frowning upon our Constitution and teaching things that are just not true about that. So they've removed the Bible, they've removed God, they've removed prayer, even in some cases the pledge and the American flag. At least one-third of the population has not been taught what made America an excellent nation, what made us great for so long and so successful. Now, it's not just school teachers that are not giving credit uh, for success or giving God credit for success. They're teaching uh, kids that our success was evil. The prosperity, the abundance, the generosity to other countries, it started off as evil. The result is students today have really no clue who they are aside from uh, whether they're uh, male, female, what family they come from as far as citizens in this country. How they got where they are in America and where we are today. They have no clue. So... America's many problems, spiritual and non-spiritual, are fanned by critical race theory, or CRT. That's one of the many things that are being taught. Now, few have heard about this, and those who have heard about this recently are maybe a little confused. That's why we're talking about it today. In its simplest terms, critical theory or critical race theory is pure Marxist, racist ideology. CRT permeates not only schools, but also government and, unfortunately, friends, and here's the heartbreaker, it's in our churches. 
It's embraced in some form or another by some surveys indicate over 50% of Americans. So <clears throat> I've got this list of comparison with critical race theory and the gospel. And I just want to share the differences in one, two, three, four, five, about six, seven points here, okay? In a nutshell, critical race theory is a view that examines society through the lens of power, dividing people into oppressed groups or oppressor groups because it's Marxist, right? Compare that to the gospel. The good news that Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, offers hope and life to lost sinners. The core problem, critical race theory says, it's whiteness. Systems that oppress people of color. Systems or countries, right? The gospel, core problem is sin. Man's rejection of God's good rule. What's the solution? Critical race theory says, to become woke, do the work, be anti-racist, social justice, etc. The solution in the Bible? Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. Repent of sin and allow the Holy Spirit to change, to transform us. What's the goal? Critical race theory? Utopia. Everything being equitable, right? We can accomplish this by our own efforts, through government a lot of times, mostly. Um, so the gospel, the Bible, what's the goal? Unity with God, knowing God loving one another, unity with others in Christ through Jesus, and so-called utopia only comes when our King, Jesus, returns and reigns. Our identity, according to critical race theory, either oppressed or you are an oppressor. And what's that based on? Skin color. Our identity as Christians, God's creation, loved by him, brothers and sisters, one family, in Christ, one race, one blood. How about truth and morality? According to critical race theory, the claim or assertions of oppressed people should be accepted without question, right? Claims, assertions, accusations. What about truth and morality when it comes to the Bible? Well, God determines what is right, and his word is the ultimate source of truth and our authority. Racism, according to critical race theory, racial prejudice plus institutional power. What about the Bible? The sin of partiality, showing partiality, favoritism, revealed as racial prejudice. Who can be a racist? Well, according to critical race theory, only white people, because they, only they apparently have all the power. In the Bible, anyone can be a racist. Why? Because sin can arise in all of our hearts. And that is the ultimate issue, sin. That's our biggest problem as Christians, right? That is the root cause. That's why we need God. That's why we need the salvation of Jesus. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. We are sinful human beings, and we need a Savior. So what about primary emotions uh, as far as critical race theory? A lot of people, uh, guilt and anger are two big ones. How about, according to the gospel, sorrow and repentance 
that leads to love, joy, and peace. Sorrow over our sinful nature, over our sins, leads to love, joy, and peace when we repent. Finally, the path of unity. Critical race theory, the answer, overturn unjust systems, build collective power. And then the gospel, what's the path to unity? God makes us one with him and unifies us to each other as we yield to his sanctifying work in our hearts. By the way, I believe I got this chart that I'm reading from over at the Radiance Foundation and Ryan Bomberger. We're still hoping to get him back on the podcast. Uh, Pray for him. He had uh, some blood clots in his lungs a couple weeks ago. He was in the hospital for several days. So what a man of God. And he's got a message that people need to hear. He's definitely a voice for life, for conservatism, for Christianity. Uh, Radiancefoundation.org, I believe. Okay, now let's jump into this article that I mentioned earlier. It's got some great points, and I don't read a lot of the Christian post because some of it is just, uh, let's say, secular, emergent. Some of it is good, and this is an op-ed. It says, Marxism, now this is critical race theory as a covert assailant to the church. That's the name of the article, right? Marxism, like many ideologies, is propagated and marketed in such a way where equality, equity, self-gratification, and personal vengeance all share the same stage. A something-for-everyone approach to both utopian idealism and a cosmic quest for justice where the government is the collector, I'm sorry, the collective guarantor or grantor of happiness and the avenger of every self-identified victim group. Who wouldn't want that, right? Uh, Perhaps on the surface, government-backed utopianism in the name of social justice might sound appealing, and sure, it has duped a lot of people, but a brief knowledge of history, a recognition of man's less-than-ideal depravity, and a critical thinking approach to personal liberties will unmask the fundamentally oppressive nature of Marxism and reveal the most insidious hatred for all humanity, especially for those it pretends to save. So this article, perhaps the most prominent expression of Marxism in the American culture today, it says, is critical race theory, CRT. Um, It seeks to create an analytical framework of interpretation that deconstructs the entire foundations of freedom, justice, and equality in Western society. It divides the world into, we said this earlier, oppressor and oppressed groups based on skin color and other immutable characteristics, including sex. All right, that's battles being waged out in our culture in the public square. Tragically, CRT has become notorious, the notorious fifth column dividing the modern church. And this is where you and I come in, friends. In the defense communities and intelligence communities, a fifth column refers to a unit meant to infiltrate an adversary by acclaiming that adversary to the fifth column's covert presence. The fifth column is not only displayed as unhostile, it may even appear as supportive. In the same way, critical race theory is a fifth column 
to the biblically mandated pursuit of justice that we, as the church, are commissioned to advance. So on the surface, it looks friendly, sounds friendly, may even be advocated for by reputable church leaders. Well, some of them have been duped, and I think you know that. There's deception on a rampant scale going on today in today's church. It's infiltrating poison that goes unnoticed until it becomes toxic, and that's in the church today. So we've got to be discerning, friends, and root it out. CRT. So why are so many pastors even uh, buying into this? Pastors who maybe are otherwise reputable for being, maybe being good teachers, standing on biblical truth. Well, with CRT, pure-minded leaders are enamored with words like justice, anti-racism, righteousness, but missing the critical substance that lies beneath. Christians should be shown grace when deceived by critical race theories, error. But by no means should anyone be left in ignorance to their own devices. I'll say that again. Christians should be shown grace when they are deceived by CRT's error, but by no means should anyone be left in ignorance to their own devices. Pastors, church leaders, have a greater responsibility as shepherds of the flock and should be held accountable because if they have been deceived and are espousing some of this, they are now deceiving, maybe unknowingly, right? So we're going to have to take a break in a minute, but when we come back, um, we're going to talk about how the Bible rebukes critical race theory and talk about several ways that CRT is clearly at odds with biblical doctrine. Now, I shared some of it from that chart I read from earlier, but just a few more notes. I've got um, two minutes. Let's go back and and let you know what's going on here uh, on a wider scale outside the church first. CRT training sessions are happening in public agencies. They're happening in public schools. They're trying to reach young people who already think America is evil, Um, and they've been pushed into a deeply ideological agenda that includes segregating people into racial groups. This is what they're doing. This means judging people by their group identity rather than their individual character, behavior, and merit. They say if you're white, you're racist, whether you admit it or not, right? And you can't respond or it's proof that you're racist. So you have no say. Wow, how do we get here? Well, this teaching is in our schools, our government. It's a cancer to society. At this point now, brother and sister, in Christ, if left unaddressed, it's going to not only rip the country apart, but it's going to divide the church even more. It's a satanic idea. It began in Germany in World War II. It goes back to the Frankfurt School of Critical Theory. It was heavily influenced In the late 1800s, the atheistic teachings of Karl Marx, we already mentioned Marxism. We've talked about Marxism a lot on this podcast. Since atheism is not of God, critical race theory's foundation is not of God either. Therefore, guess where it comes from? That's right. Satan, the pit. Karl Marx 
boldly taught that capitalism was the culprit for all the problems in the world, by the way. And if you're white and making money, you're a problem. You're a white capitalist. You're a racist. You, are, you have to be uprooted or you are an oppressor. So this goes in much deeper than capitalism and the free markets. And now we've talked about it being in the church. So uh, Marxism, we've talked so much about this, including the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, which is a global network that is against everything that's scriptural and that would be supported by the Bible. Um, I'm going to put a link in our podcast before we take this break here. How should Christians respond to injustice, Black Lives Matter, and lawlessness? Because we did this about six months ago on this podcast. I'll put that link in here. But we've got to take a break. So when we come back, how the Bible rebukes critical race theory and the ways that CRT is at odds with biblical doctrine. More to come on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Okay, before we continue, I just want to share a scripture from Acts chapter 17. Let's not be indifferent toward racism, discrimination, bullying, regardless of the form it takes, okay? What we can do as Christians is pray, but how else should we respond to injustice, lawlessness, false teachings, sin? Well, love and truth. Every single person, here's the bottom line, is created in God's image and has value because God is the creator of every one of us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, He created them, then people, male and female, and here we are. Acts 17.26 says, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. Did you hear that? He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-approved times, and boundaries of their dwellings. That's Acts 17, verse 26. Now, the Bible rebukes critical race theory. There are several ways that CRT is at odds with Scripture. There are five of them here. We touched on some of these concepts already, but five basically to sum up. Critical race theory divides people based on the immutable characteristics of skin color like whiteness or blackness rather than on the present enmity with God. The Bible teaches that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that we are all or or were all separated from God because of our sin. Number two, critical race theory promotes partiality along the lines of intersectionality which is the ideology's term for calculating exactly how oppressed a person is based on their membership in different victim groups. Intersectionality. The Bible demonstrates that God's justice, God's justice shows no partiality or favor toward the poor, oppressed, or those with a different melanin content, different skin color. All right, God's justice and righteousness treats everyone equally. Number three, critical race theory seeks to condemn Christians and divide the church along racial and ethnic lines, 
when God has clearly created one body in Christ, as we already read from Scripture in part. Romans 8.1 is clear that there is no condemnation for those who are already in Christ. Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, speaks to the reality that the wall of separation between Jew and Greek has also been removed in Christ, thus creating one new people. We read that earlier in the first segment, Galatians 3, 23 through 28, roughly. And it speaks to there being no distinction between Greek or Jew, slave or free. Now, number four, critical race theory promotes the belief that the original sin of racism must be passed down from generation to generation, essentially blaming and holding accountable the current generation for the sins of their fathers. I shared this on a podcast before, but Ezekiel 18, 19 and 20, this is very important. Yet you say, why should the son not bear the guilt of the father? Because the son has done what is lawful and right and has kept all my statutes and observed them. He shall surely live. Verse 20 says, ready? Very simple concept. Verse 20, the soul who sins shall die. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. Ezekiel 18, verses 19 and 20. Those who take Christ as Lord and Savior are saved personally, individually, not collectively. Conversely, there's no such thing as collective salvation. There's no such thing as collective sin passed down to generations that we have to pay for, and there's no such thing as collective salvation, no universal salvation. Universal guilt is not biblical. Neither is universal salvation. That's for a whole nother podcast. The Bible makes it clear that the sin of Adam is inherent in all generations, regardless of ethnicity. Furthermore, particular sins of previous generations cannot be atoned for by individuals. Why? Jesus died for our sins. Christ is the only atonement for all sin. And number five, critical race theory is a worldly philosophy that misleads the church and distorts the gospel of Jesus Christ. CRT is an empty and hollow philosophy of destruction. Paul warns the church in Colossians 2, 8, and 9 about not being deceived about different worldly traditions and philosophies. It adds works to the gospel in order to be fully saved from the sins of the past while absolving others of guilt for the sins practiced in the present. CRT, um, critical race theory, denies biblical reality. It is an affront to the Christian gospel and has no place in the church. Jesus Christ is the only one who can atone for sin, for all sin, including racism and make one whole community out of a divided people, which he has done from the beginning. In the future, we know this now, right? We're informed. We will be judged by how we acted in this present moment now. 
Did we act in love, grace, and truth, or did we capitulate and virtue signal to a lost, dying culture that wanted its ears tickled rather than adhere to the cutting edge of God's Word, the Gospel? So, while Marxism makes its long march through the institutions, we must eliminate this fifth column of critical race theory within the church. The Gospel depends on it. Just so you didn't miss it, that reference to uh, Marxism making its, its long march through the institutions, you know where that comes from? Italian Marxist Antonio Gramsci from his prison notebooks when he wrote about how to take down America and eradicate Christianity. Uh, I'll paraphrase it by saying the plan, since he knew and most people knew you could not attack America militarily. We were too strong, and we are too strong for that. So what they decided to do is the late 1800s, early 1900s, is to attack the culture and erode morality. Antonio Gramsci called it a long, progressive march through the major institutions in America, taking them over to eradicate biblical morality and grind down the culture. What are the major institutions? They started with academia, the university system. Then they got the public school system going. Government-run schools. They got Hollywood. They took control of the entertainment industry. The media, which has been so complicit recently. Now, we could go on, but government, of course, they infiltrated. But um, this article, Critical Race Theory as a Covert Assailant to the Church. We'll put it in today's podcast notes at StandUpForTheTruth.com. A little bit more about education, though. Um, elementary school children in at least one government school in Virginia. Now, this is happening in different places across the country. These elementary kids were taught the outrageously racist, racist lie that objectivity, perfectionism, and individualism, and a dozen or so other traits are actually characteristics of, ready, white supremacy. Now, parents were outraged, but this is just the tip of the iceberg. Students ages 6 through 11 at this Belvedere Elementary School in Virginia were subjected to this and a lot more. And we know what the reports are out. We've seen articles. We've seen parents complain. Children all over the country in different school systems are stewing in this sort of ignorant racism that's being peddled by public schools. There's evidence available. Just do the search on uh, the Internet. So Alex Newman, one of our frequent guests on Stand Up For The Truth, education expert, his most recent podcast was on the deep state and what's behind it. It's behind the curtain. I want to quote him here. He said, this clown world level absurdity in education is only possible in an absurd system such as the tax-funded public school monopoly that exists today. In a free market, no sensible parent would ever pay anything to have their children indoctrinated with hateful, racist, and ridiculous propaganda such as the garbage described here. End quote. Now, if parents don't wake up, it will be their children and eventually this nation who will pay an enormous price. There's an article that I'll put in today's notes as well 
I'll try to remember to do this at the blog, standupforthetruth.com. It's by Alex Newman. Uh, School said individualism and objectivity are white supremacy. Now, a little bit more information here before we wrap this up. And there's so much. But I wanted to show you what they said all the way back in 2001, almost 20 years ago, in this workbook called Dismantling Racism. 2001, Dismantling Racism. It's propaganda. It says 15 characteristics of white supremacy culture. Yeah, you thought this was a more recent thing, right? Here are 15 characteristics of white supremacy. Perfectionism, sense of urgency, defensiveness, quantity over quality, worship of the written word, only one right way. Wow. Paternalism, either or thinking, in other words, black or white, binary thinking, power hoarding, fear of open conflict, individualism, I'm the only one, progress is bigger and more, objectivity and right to comfort. These are 15 characteristics of white supremacy culture. And this workbook is from 2001. That means it was probably published in 2000, which is a nice even number of 20 years ago. So this is not new, friends, but what do we do with this? We've got how much more time here? Six minutes in this segment. I want to go back to some of the things that um, Bill Perkins was sharing from Compass International. And he goes on talking about the foundation of this, about Marxism. And we just need to be reminded that Karl Marx... Um, Wait a minute. He once claimed, my object in life is to dethrone God. I actually wrote about that in in a blog about racism, lawlessness, and repentance. Um, My object in life is to dethrone God. Who else did that? It was Satan, remember? Satan exalted himself. He tried to exalt himself above the Most High God. And him and a third of the angels were cast out of heaven, cast down. Out of heaven. So Marx, Karl Marx is not someone Christians should have anything to do with, let alone emulate or support theories. Remember that in every nation that has adopted Marxism as its ideological model, at least three things happen. Christians have been oppressed. Sin has been rampant. Millions have died. So Marx boldly taught that capitalism was the culprit for all the problems in the world. You know, those white capitalists, right? And freedom and free markets were bad. Marxism and bondage were good. Or another way to put it, ready? The Bible is bad. Satan is good. Moral relativism is good. Self-exaltation. Karl Marx said, all personal wealth must be redistributed So everyone has the same amount of everything. But my question is, who decides, first of all, how much to redistribute, how much money to take, and who to take it from, and then who decides who to give it to, and then how much should they get? That's why the government has to step in, right? So Marx said there should be no ownership of private property. It's one of the first things to go in a country or a culture that's under Marxism, a society that's under Marxism. Everything should belong to the state. Whoever controlled the state 
And that would be, in our system, progressives, leftists, um, anti-American um, propagandists. They would be in charge, liberals. They would control who got what, where, and when. So to get control of a government and achieve these evil goals, one of the first things Karl Marx had to do is encourage hate speech. Free speech had to be clamped down on. It had to go. So back to our foundation in the country. America is a representative republic founded on the fact there is a God. And our forefathers correctly believed that God gifted man with rights, certain rights, unalienable rights. And when we follow biblical boundaries, we realize those gifts, those benefits. If we stray from those biblical boundaries, our spiritual benefits begin to erode. We obviously, we're seeing that today. But the sad thing is, many of our churches have been rendered biblically rudderless by pastors making decisions based not on Scripture at times, but on feeling and on the direction, the waves and the direction of culture, right? We're conforming to the world. just want to share this frightening info from the UCLA School of Public Affairs. Um, it says this, CRT, critical race theory, recognizes that racism is ingrained in the fabric and system of the American society. The individual racist need not exist to note that racism, institutional racism, is pervasive in the dominant culture. This is the analytical lens that CRT uses in examining existing power structures. CRT identifies that these power structures are based on white privilege and white supremacy. There it is. Which perpetuates the marginalization of people of color. UCLA School of Public Affairs. Now, we have to recognize this is not unique to UCLA or even universities, but it's happening across the country. That's why we're having this topic today. So the answer is not to divide people into groups. It's not intersectionality. It's not critical race theory. It's not any of this. But they're always looking for man's solutions, right? Rarely do they turn to God, the creator, who is the source of truth and wisdom. We'll sum up some points on critical race theory, and we'll talk about a few solutions when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Just a few points to review going back to critical theory, which openly states the remaking of the family of sexuality and education as its primary area of focus. So this means the destruction of the nuclear family, just like one of the goals of the Black Lives Matter Global Network, an organization funded by millions and millions of dollars from the left and from radicals and from billionaires like George Soros. They talk about the normalization of deviancy, education that only allows thoughts in agreement with the left, while tracking everyone's place on the continuum of acceptance of new world order groupthink. So I want to go back to a little bit of history just for a minute. The Frankfurt School over in Germany grew out of the Institute for Social Research. Alex Newman has talked a lot about this on our podcast. Not a lot, but a few times that we've, we've had him on. He mentioned this. It was founded in 1923, Frankfurt, Germany. 
when its communist professors, founders, fled Germany in the 1930s, most of them with the help of John Dewey in America, the father, so-called, of American education, they ended up at Columbia University in America, Columbia Teachers College. Look it up. The Frankfurt School saw that the patriarchal family was the enemy. Why? Because it maintained a God-ordained, established standard of sexual morality that the Frankfurt School believed had to be destroyed through education in order to bring about cultural Marxism. Isn't that interesting? So it goes way back, almost 100 years, this battle. So when we come today to hear in churches the normalization of critical race theory, Black Lives Matter, code words should trigger us like social justice. When a minister, a pastor, religious leader proclaims his support of these things, he is affirming his support of the godless, anti-biblical agendas we've been warning and warning about. Now, he may, out of compassion, uh, just be wanting to just share in the suffering of others, wanting to be empathetic, wanting to be compassionate and, and maybe sensitive to what's going on in our culture, to love your neighbor, right? But while we always assume a good motive, BLM or any organization that's promoting cultural Marxism or critical race theory, they tell us by their own language where they stand. All right. We've talked about this before. Uh, we'll, again, we'll put that link to um, one of the messages we had earlier this year on Stand Up for the Truth. Uh, how should Christians respond to injustice, Black Lives Matter, and lawlessness? But there are a couple points before we wrap up today. I want to share from Ali Beth Stuckey. I don't remember when I talked about this on a podcast, but I saved my notes. Well, it looks like June, back in June. Okay, so this is all still very relevant, just so for our learning purposes, right? Uh, she's talking about um, cautioning people, warning about, quote, Christian Marxism. Of course, that's an oxymoron. But she says what we're watching occur in many cases is Christian leaders unknowingly taking on the language and mentality of Marxism in the name of compassion. But one of my questions is, does the Bible have anything at all to say about race relations, social justice, theft, destruction of property, was what we're seeing on our streets today even being endorsed or approved of by some in the Christian community? How about being unequally yoked with unbelievers? Clearly, a lot of these movements, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, white supremacists, whoever it is that's that's you know causing chaos on our streets, these are unbelievers, most of them, I would say, right? So we should be un we are not to be yoked with them. And we should not be endorsing things that contradict scripture. I know this sounds like common sense, you guys, but we've got to be careful of what we are approving of. We're living in the last days, times in which a generation is ignorant of truth. And as I wrote in my book three, four years ago, Redefining Truth, these are times that lies are being believed, evil is being called good, open rebellion against the living God is being promoted now. And, it, and these are times of unrelenting lawlessness. It is fatiguing, friends. It is potentially overwhelming, but we have the victory. 
The godless are using every excuse under the sun to cultivate this crisis of chaos. Remember another foundational point here. We don't have a skin problem. We have a sin problem. I've said that many times, but it bears repeating. So we also read those verses from Revelation 7, and nations, tribes, peoples, tongues will all be before the Lamb of God one day, and it won't matter what's on your outside. It'll matter if your heart trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are saved, right, eternally. So Ali Beth Stuckey goes on and says every single one of these regimes, whether it's Stalin, Pol Pot, Mao, Castro, Uh, North Korea, every single one came to power with the promise of liberation from oppression and maybe even guarantees of education or health care. Karl Marx's communism has a high human cost because communism is impossible without tyranny. That's another point we need to remember. People are naturally driven to own private property to take care of their families, to provide for themselves. But that goes against communism, right? Owning private property becomes a crime. The individual can have no power. That means no free speech, no freedom of religion. What's one of the foundational freedoms we have in America that enables us to share the gospel? Freedom of religious expression. There's never been a communist government that that is not authoritarian. This is the irony of Marxism. Here it is. In the name of ridding the world of oppression, what does it do? It creates more oppression. And it's an, you'd think that an ideology so obviously destructive would have died by now. But it's been revived again and again and again by academics. And now what are they teaching? In many universities and some American public schools, that America is bad, our system is um, flawed. So you gotta, you can't improve the system. You gotta reimagine, reset, re- destroy the whole thing, and start all over. That's what they're really leaning toward doing. That's what they're pointing toward doing. Like every Marxist who ever lived, they claim, oh, but this time it's different, right? They candy coat it with a descriptions like, oh, but it's it's a. Uh, how, what do they call it? Democratic socialism. It's not socialism. It's democratic socialism. <laughs> but it cannot be achieved without a huge centralized government and the diminishment of individual liberty and right to property. Okay? Again, you cannot find a socialist or communist government anywhere throughout history that allows freedom of religion or speech or parental rights. Now, if they truly cared on our streets today, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, whoever it is protesting, that are really protesting, if they truly cared about black lives, don't you think they'd be concerned about those who are destroying or encouraging the destruction of some of these cities and, and black businesses and some of these black communities? No, these movements have been hijacked by the left. And it's increasingly clear that in conjunction with conversations about racial equality, anti-capitalism, anti-Americanism, anti-Western rhetoric, that we know the goal. This collective, collectivist lens through which these activists see the world forces them to categorize people based on their skin color, class, gender, sexual orientation, to determine who's on what side, right? 
Okay, so those are just a couple points that Allie Beth Stuckey made in her article. And uh, it's interesting that it just com- goes completely against Scripture, and yet Christians, some, have been duped by it. You can pretty much figure out why. If you know the Word of God, you will recognize a counterfeit. When anything goes against the gospel, that becomes clear. Okay? So when, uh, when uh, anything other than the gospel of Jesus Christ becomes the center of your philosophy, movement, or theology, you know that truth is skewed. <laughs> it's putting it mildly, right? Reconciliation to God isn't just a part of the gospel. It is the gospel. But where, what, what the church needs to realize is that while it is good and necessary to talk about all forms of hatred and sin, we've got to be careful not to let our language or the things we promote or the solutions we advocate for resemble Marxism. Though That's not the answer. There's a reason why every government, again, that has implemented Marxism makes the destruction of the free worship of Jesus Christ one of its first targets. Oh, by the way, I'm trying to work out a podcast date to have Trevor Loudon on. He's been featured in the Agenda documentaries with Curtis Bowers. He's an expert on communism, Marxism. He's from New Zealand. He's been in our area. He's really been a voice of reason in American politics and exposing government corruption. He's written a lot of phenomenal books, so we'll get him on. But another uh, man who has been featured by Curtis Bowers in Agenda documentaries is James Simpson, and he has an article called Reds Exploiting Blacks. It's about the roots of Black Lives Matter, but James Simpson quotes Vladimir Lenin and then explains a little bit. He said, we must be ready to employ trickery, deceit, law-breaking, withholding, and concealing truth. We can and must write in a language which sows among the masses hate revulsion, and scorn toward those who disagree with us. Vladimir Lenin. And he goes on, James Simpson. Communists use language and psychology as weapons. Their constant vilification is a form of psychological terror. It puts America and Americans on trial. The verdict is always guilty. Facts don't matter because the left does not want to resolve the problems they complain about. They use those problems to agitate and provoke, hoping conflict becomes unavoidable, thereby creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. Their hatred is tactical. James Simpson from Reds Exploiting Blacks. Stop stealing talking points, language, and prescriptions from the world. The gospel must inform how we treat people and the work we do to help the least of these. But if the solutions you are promoting are Marxist or socialist in nature, I'm sorry, I don't care if you call yourself a Christian, even if you're a leader or a pastor, you're advocating for a society of suffering. And Christian persecution is part of that, right? 
they cannot allow the gospel because exclusivity of the gospel is what we are thankful for. Jesus is the way, and we don't have to work and work and work to gain salvation or to do anything in our culture or work with the government or anything else. We just have to believe. God is not going to ask when we stand before Jesus. He's not going to ask whether or not you were on the side of the oppressed or the oppressor while you were on earth. He will say, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? So don't conform to the world's ways. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 2. I do want to share a couple scriptures, the answers, right? What are the answers? One answer or solution, I guess, go back to the Psalms. Psalm 1, first couple verses, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does... He prospers. Another great section of Scripture talking about when we are in Christ, we are family. Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. And then it goes on, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It's not what we do, friends. It's what God has done through Jesus on the cross and the resurrection. And it's now what God continues to do. I want to be a part of it. I believe that you probably want to be a part of God's work as, as well. So we've got to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And a quick encouragement for you guys that as some of these teachings or isms or movements infiltrate the church in many parts of the country, many denominations, we have to be careful because what Marxism does, what critical race theory does, it divides people. Since it divides people into groups or classes or whatever, it also divides Christians. And Mark 3.24 says, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. So let's not be divided. Let's be united around the inerrant, perfect truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So every now and then, I ask you for suggestions for guests, for pastors, whether it's someone that you haven't heard on Stand Up for the Truth for a long time or someone who's never been on as a guest. Now, some people, they're just so busy, or maybe they're the most popular, maybe they're hard to track down and try to schedule. But if you have someone in mind, email me, comments at standupforthetruth.com. Also, I really would love to hear from you, Just let's just say in the last six months or a year, what about the year 2020? Who was your favorite guest or your top two guests If you're a regular Stand Up For The Truth podcast listener, I would love to know. And even more, if you have time, what you like about them. This will help us schedule guests in the future and bring on people that you really are 
stirred up by or emboldened by or encouraged by. Now, remember back in October, mid-October, we posted a blog, The Best Podcasts of Pastors and Patriots, 2020 podcasts about God and government from different pastors and patriots. I think there are like, boy, maybe 16, 18 people in that. So go and check that out, The Best Pastors and Patriots uh, podcast 2020 on God and government stand up for the truth.com. Let us know who your favorite guests are and, or who you would like to have back and then who you might suggest as a new guest. We'll wrap up the show when we come back in just a minute. Stand up for the truth, a ministry of Lakeshore communications incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media, stand up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's stand up for the truth. Tomorrow, you're going to hear about the Black-Robed Regiment from Pastor Dan Fisher of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. He works with Pastor Paul Blair. What a phenomenal team, man. Gosh, I'm a little jealous. But you're going to hear a little bit about American history, patriot pastors that got in the pulpits every Sunday dressed in their black clerical robes and stirred the hearts of their congregations. And then many of them went out into actual battle fighting for our freedom. And we'll also touch on his book. He's got a new one on Romans 13, Unlimited Submission, with a question mark. We're going to have to have Pastor Dan on again when we can just talk about that issue. And a quick reminder for you to send in suggestions of your favorite guests, why you like them, and a brand new guest. If you want to suggest some somebody, give me their website or info, comments at standardforthetruth.com. Um, Jan Markell is one of my favorite guests, top 10 maybe even top five. She'll be here Monday, by the way. A little teaser looking ahead to next week and J.B. Hickson next week. Anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.